You're listening to the teaching podcast of The Crossing Church. We exist so that the real you can have a daily encounter with the real Jesus in word and deed. For more information about our church, visit crossingparagold.com. Today's scripture can be found in John 10, chapter, uh, verse 1 through 4. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Awesome. Thanks, John. Let's pray one more time. Father, as we come to you, I think about the parable that you have given us of uh, the sower and the seed and how your word is like the seed. Father, I know that there are times whenever I teach that um, I want to scatter the seed that for some, it falls on hard hearts. Uh, they don't receive it at all. Others, maybe they receive it, but it's choked out by the thorns and thistles or the cares of this life. And there are some seeds that take root, that truly change us from the inside out. And I pray that that will happen today, that you will prepare the soil of our hearts for the words that you have for us. And it's in Christ's name that I ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. So today is the, the last message in our series, How to Pray. And if the graphic was on the screen, you would be able to see that the subtitle for the series is Conversations with God, which implies back and forth communication, right? It implies uh, that when it comes to our relationship with God, and by the way, that's what he's after with you. Think of before sin into the world, God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, talking with them, and they're talking back to God. Like, this is what he's after. Like, God wants to talk to you but he also wants you to talk to him. Like he, he wants to listen to you when you talk, but he also wants you to listen to him when he talks. And this is the way all healthy relationships work. I think of my marriage and how some of the biggest arguments we've had over the years, and, and yes, as pastors, like we get into arguments too with our spouse, or if you, that bothers you, we'll just call them spats. But the biggest arguments or spats that we've got into over the years has been over my lack of listening, my poor listening skills, if that surprises anybody whatsoever. But times where my wife is trying to, you know, maybe make a point, but I feel like I already know what you're going to say. So let me just go ahead and stop you right there and give you my point. Um, that doesn't go really well. Or there's times where maybe she just wants to share the intimate, personal details of her life. And she kind of goes on and on and sharing these details. And as a result, I, I zone out a little bit. And I think, you know, it's okay to zone out a little bit as long as I come back in eventually later. I think I'll still get the main point of it. But even though I'm sitting there and I'm zoned out, I'm trying to do the best I can to act like I'm listening by going, "Mm mm-hmm, and nodding my head, she sees right through it. And she'll pause and she'll ask that dreaded question. She'll say, Jared, did you hear what I just said? To which usually there will be a moment of silence and I'll say, "Uh, yeah, I'm processing it, you know. I'm just, I'm praying over it. I'm thinking through it. And... As you can imagine, um, that doesn't end well. It hurts my life. It creates distance rather than intimacy. It leads to relational breakdown, and it ends up with me once again needing to ask for forgiveness because once again I failed to listen to what she had to say. 
And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because as important as it is for us to listen when it comes to our earthly relationships, it's even more important to listen when it comes to our relationship with God. You know, I did a quick word search this morning, and the word listen, in the context of listening to God, appears 278 times in the Bible. 278 times we are told to listen to God or to hear God. And so the truth is, if we're going to grow closer to God, if he's going to go from feeling distant to to intimate, if we're going to cultivate a mature and healthy relationship with him, there has to be this back and forth communication. We need to talk to God, but we also have to learn how to listen to God. And this is where the problem comes in, because my guess is, if you're being honest, this is not a normal part of your prayer practice. My guess is when it comes to prayer, that rather than it being a dialogue, it's more like this monologue, this internal kind of, you know, you talking to yourself type of relationship. And therefore, as a result, when it comes to prayer, my guess is that there are some of you who have lost interest in it altogether. Prayer to you maybe is boring because rather than it being a back and forth communication where you talk to God and listen to God as he talks to you, your prayer life has basically been reduced to you making requests uh, just whenever you have needs as they arise. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. There's nothing wrong with making requests. But the problem is, is that when this becomes your primary way of communication, your prayer life is going to feel a lot more like religious duty than it does relational delight. And if that's where you are this morning, there's no condemnation for me. But my hope is that after you hear this sermon today, that you'll be inspired. That you'll realize that God truly does want to talk to me. My hope is that your prayer life after today will go from a monologue to a dialogue, this back and forth communication, which as a result will help you build a deep and personal and intimate relationship with the living God who is the source of all that is good and beautiful and true. And this is essentially what Jesus is getting at in John 10, which uh, John Burroughs read for us earlier, where Jesus compares our relationship with him to that of a shepherd and sheep. And at first, that sounds like a pretty cute and cuddly metaphor, but to those in the first century, this was anything but a cute and cuddly metaphor. This was not an endearing image, because for those in the first century, they knew uh, that sheep are incredibly fragile. Sheep are vulnerable. Uh, Sheep are helpless. Sheep are easy prey for wolves. They're susceptible to all kinds of diseases, and honestly, they're just really stupid. They, they do some really dumb stuff. They wander off and they get lost, and they make these dumb decisions that lead to some really painful consequences. And so what Jesus is saying is that this is what you're like. You're like a sheep. Like, like when left to your own devices, like, like you will self-destruct. And this is important because what this means is that, that oftentimes we don't know what's best for our lives. So we can't like ever assume, I've got this, God. Right? When it comes to big decisions like, do I marry or do I remain single? We should never just assume we know what God is saying. Should I take this job or take that job? Should I attend this church or that church? Should I you know, put my kid in travel sports or not put my kid in travel sports? Should I spend money or should I save money? Should I go to the right or go to the left? Like we get in trouble when we ever get arrogant enough or cocky enough or whatever it is enough to be like, I think I can do this on my own. Because according to Jesus, he says, again, we are like sheep that do not know as much as we think that we know. And that is the bad news, but here is the good news. The good news is that if you will be willing to admit you're a sheep, if that's not beneath you this morning, if you can admit, man, I am vulnerable, I am fragile, I am easily deceived, if you can admit that you are spiritually needy and in your neediness, take that to Jesus. 
He says in this text, I will be your good shepherd. That's what he says in verse 11. And in verse 3, if you look back with me, he shows us what this relationship is like between him as a shepherd and we as his sheep. In verse 3, look with me with your own eyes. Jesus says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, talking about the shepherd. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Listen, God knows your name. Like I know you're in front of a crowd or you're in a crowd and it's easy to feel lost, but you are not lost in the eyes of God. Like he sees you. He knows your name. Jesus calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them out all, uh, when he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and listen to this. And his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. There's a lot in there, but here's the main point I want to get across today. To be a disciple of Jesus is to hear the voice of Jesus. To be a true disciple of Jesus is to know and respond to the voice of the good shepherd who is wanting to lead you out of the muddy pen and into abundant life. That is what Jesus gets at in John chapter 10, verse 10, in the same story where he says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. What is Jesus' agenda for you? It's to give you life, full life, deep life, abundant life. That is his agenda for your life. And guys, that is why it is so important that we learn how to hear God, to listen to God. Because according to Jesus, this is literally the difference between life and death. And therefore, the question this morning that I want to run after is, how do we do this? Like, how do we actually hear the voice of God? Like a lot of times we think people are crazy when they say that kind of stuff. It's interesting, isn't it? And when it comes to prayer, like, like, like whenever I say I'm talking to Jesus, that sounds like prayer. We call that prayer. But when someone says I hear from Jesus, we're like, we call that schizophrenia, right? It's weird how that works. But, but how do you actually hear the voice of God? I mean, it's one thing to hear God speaking to you whenever he's standing in the flesh, like he is here in John 10 with Jesus, right? God in the flesh speaking. But, but God's not here in the flesh right now. So how do we hear his voice and distinguish between his voice and the voices in my head? Like, how do we know? And the truth is, like, there are many ways that God speaks to us today. We know according to, for example, Psalm 1 and Romans 1, God speaks through creation. Read the book of Acts. We know that he also speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. He speaks through life circumstances. He speaks through open doors and closed doors. There's all kinds of ways that God speaks. But there are just two ways I want to focus on today. Two basic primary ways that God will speak to you in specific ways this week. And the first way that I want you to know, the primary way that God will speak to you, no matter who you are or where you come from, the primary way that he will speak to you is through scripture. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly, be fully equipped for every good work. Put another way, what is the Bible? The Bible is God's very word that has been preserved and now passed down to you 
And according to Hebrews 4.12, it is a word that is, quote, active and living. Meaning this word is not static, right? This is not just words on a page that were only relevant for people thousands of years ago. But it is active and living, meaning it is the way that God continues to speak to his people today to specific people in specific places who are going through specific circumstances for the purpose of leading you into life. You know, in my opinion, one of the greatest things about having the iPhone is having the Maps app. I think this is the greatest invention of all time. Um, And the reason is because, as my wife will tell you, I am one of the most directionally challenged people you will ever meet in your entire life, hands down. Um, Some people, you can tell them, hey, head on 30 West, you're going to take the exit on 138B. You're going to go down that exit. They'll come to a fork. Stay left. Whenever you go left, there's going to be a, a turn, not the first turn, not the second turn, not the third turn. Go there, and then it'll be the fourth house on the right. And you're like, got it. And if that's you, like, praise God. Like, I'm, I'm grateful for people like you, but that's not me. I'm the kind of person, you've heard me tell this before, right? Whenever I was in high school, uh, I printed off uh, uh, directions on MapQuest. Anybody here remember MapQuest? Yeah, a few of you that are over the age of 30, right? Like, MapQuest was great as long as you didn't, like, screw up, as long as you didn't miss a turn. Because once you miss a turn, it couldn't correct you. You're just still stuck with the same directions you printed out. And so you're on your own at that point, right? And so I remember being in high school, making a wrong turn in Memphis. I'm on a double date. I'm driving my truck, first time ever in Memphis, have no idea where I am. And long story short, I ended up getting robbed on Crump Boulevard. Like, I got robbed. My, my girlfriend got robbed. My, my buddy and his girlfriend got robbed. It was one of the scariest moments of my entire life. And therefore, right, as you can imagine, when the map app came out, like, it changed my life. Because now, what happens? If I make a wrong turn, it's okay. I still have this very clear, very calm and assuring voice that can guide me every step of the way for the purpose of helping me get from where I am to where I need to go. And the reason I share that is just to say this. Look right at me. This Bible is your ultimate GPS. It is the primary way that God wants to speak to you today for the purpose of guiding you, navigating you, and leading you into the fullness of the Christian life. And so whether you're a business owner or a factory worker or whether you're a teacher or a student or a stay-at-home mom, whether you're single or married, rich or poor, young or old, listen to me. You need to make sure your time in God's word is not hijacked by anything. Like this needs to be a non-negotiable for you. You need to read this. You need to memorize this. You need to meditate on the words in this Bible. Everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. On relationships, on finances, on sexuality, on work, in life, on how to experience the good life. Uh, Everything you need to know is found right here. And therefore, if you want to hear God's voice, here's a very practical step for you today. Open up your Bible and simply begin to read it. And so God speaks to us today through scriptures. But then secondly, another primary and very basic way that God will speak to us is through prophecy. And this is where I want to focus a little bit more time, because my guess is today, all you good Christians in here are like, he speaks of the Bible, duh, tell me something I don't know, even though most of you still don't read it. Um, Some of you, I'm sure a lot of you read it, I'm sorry. Um, But whenever I talk about God speaking through prophecy, you're like, okay, Jared's getting weird again. 
Like prophecy is kind of that kind of freaky thing where you're like, okay, don't drink the Kool-Aid, right? Like, like it's, it's something that we just think is, is bizarre. We don't understand it. We kind of want to stay away from it. And that's sad because it's actually a beautiful gift from the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. If you have a Bible, I want you to actually turn there so you can see it yourself. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul devotes a whole chapter to talking about how God speaks to us through prophecy. And here is what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1. Paul says, follow the way of love. And by the way, who is love? Yeah. God is love. So this is follow the way of God. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Look at verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. Now that phrase, if you look at verse 1, eagerly desire, is the word zelos. Can you say that with me? Zelos. And it can be translated as eagerly desires. You see here in verse 1, but listen to this. It can also be translated as to covet or to be jealous for. Now, the best I know, this is the only place in the whole Bible that God tells you to covet something or to be jealous for something. And what is it he tells you to covet? What is he telling you to be jealous for? Well, it's the gift of prophecy. And so if you're here and you're like, yeah, I don't really do that thing. Like I'm a logical person. I don't really do prophecy. I think that's for mystical people. Then the apostle Paul stares at you and says, you need to eagerly desire this. You need to eagerly pursue prophecy. Now that begs the question, what is prophecy? In the words of theologian Wayne Grudem, who wrote this really thick book on systematic theology, it's actually the books we had to use in seminary, he says this, prophecy is simply speaking what God spontaneously brings to mind. Simple enough. Here's another definition, though. Ben Witherington, prophecy is a spontaneous utterance prompted by the Spirit and based on a sudden and contrived, uncontrived revelation from God. Here's one more. This is from Greg Haslam. He says, prophecy is the phenomenon that results directly from the access the Holy Spirit has to our minds, whereby he can create pictures in our imagination. He can put words, ideas, and scripture into our heads that carry with it the responsibility to pass on and relay what the Holy Spirit has communicated. Simply put, prophecy is a way in which God uses us to deliver a word from him to someone else. It is a way that he, through his spirit, will deposit into your own mind a verse or an image or a phrase that he wants you to now share with someone else, to speak to someone else for what purpose? Again, in verse 3, for the purpose of encouraging them, strengthening them, and comforting them. And guys, listen, this is why every single one of you should eagerly desire this gift. Because to see a show of hands, is there anybody in the room today who would say, I feel too encouraged? Anybody like God, like, I'm so overwhelmed with the amount of encouragement I've got this week. Anybody here feel too comforted 
Like I'm just overflowing with peace. I've got so much comfort right now, no matter what season I'm going in. Anybody in here feel like they have too much power, too much strength? Like, man, I'm just, like, I need to give some of this power, some of this strength away that I have. Because, I mean, I have way too much to make it through life. Nobody. Nobody. And that is why Paul devotes a whole chapter to prophecy. He says we are to pursue this gift in a world where we are constantly hearing the voice of condemnation. The voice that says quit. The voice that says that you are unwanted or that you are worthless or that you are a failure. In that kind of culture, we desperately need to hear the voice of God. Rather than always listening to the voice that is just try harder to be better and tearing us down, we need to hear the voice that builds us up. And that is what is so great about the gift of prophecy. Because when God delivers a prophetic word to you, you know what happens like when you receive a prophetic word? And for those of you who have received a prophetic word, you know this. It's like literally like wind enters into your cells. Like it breathes life into your soul. Some of you are shaking your head because you've had that happen. I, I mean, it, it, when, when you receive a prophetic word, you know God sees me, he loves me, and I'm going to be able to make it through this. I shared this with y'all, I think, before. Um, but, you know, this past summer, I was struggling with my calling in life. Pastors are no different than the rest of you, right? Like, there's times where it's like, am I doing the right job? Should I be doing something else? Like, am I where you want me to be? And that's healthy, by the way. It's healthy to not just assume that you're right where God wants you to be. Like, sometimes you just need to come back and, and bring that before the Lord. And this summer, I was questioning my calling a little bit as I've told y'all before, you know, we had five different core families that, that moved away within five months of each other. Our church was struggling financially. I felt like in some ways that we'd kind of hit a lull, that there was some apathy that was growing within the church. And, and, and so like, I just asked God the honest question. I said, God, like, is it possible that I've taken this church as far as I can take it? Like, is it possible that like, like I've done all that I can do here? Like, I remember even talking to you about that, Jody. And with that question in mind, I had two different churches reach out to me and ask me to come be their pastor. Within about two weeks of each other, I had a church in Texas call me and asked if I wanted to move there to be a lead pastor. Then I had a church in Utah. And I was not at all tempted to go to Texas, uh, but I think it was like 118 degrees heating index when the church in Utah called me. And I was like, snow-capped mountains? I think God could be calling me out to Utah, you know? Um, but, but I was wrestling with my calling a little bit. And as that was all kind of going on, and I was talking to some of you about that, I, I went to Cherokee Village to a pastor's retreat, and after one of the sessions there, this pastor walks up to me. He knows nothing about my situation. Uh, this pastor's name is Paul, and he came up to me and he said, hey man, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I feel like God just wants me to tell you, don't quit. Like, like don't take the easy way out. God is not done with you where you are. Stay the course. Don't grow weary in doing good. And my guess is to you, that doesn't mean anything to you. But to me in that moment, it felt like I'm telling you, God himself was standing before me speaking that word to me. And I knew exactly what it meant. 
And I was encouraged and I was strengthened. I was comforted as soon as it was. I don't even remember anything else that happened that whole retreat. They had a whole bunch of stuff planned. This is like the one thing that was not planned. And it was the thing that meant more to me than anything else. I called Megan as soon as the retreat was over. And I just had this renewed sense of hope and calling and purpose. And listen, the whole reason I share that is just to say this. That should be a normal experience in the church. That should be a normal experience in the church. I mean, when Christians come together, the Apostle Paul assumes that kind of stuff is going to happen. That we are going to speak to one another words that God has delivered to us for the purpose of encouraging, comforting, and strengthening. I just wanted this one. Like, do you guys want that as a church? Troy does. Anybody else want that? I'm, I'm asking seriously. Does anybody not want that as a church? So it might not be the church for you. Like, I want this. I want us to be a church that encourages one another and strengthens one another and builds one another up. But honestly, like, this is just not a normal part of our experience. And I think, I think the reason why we don't experience more prophecy is because we think it should feel more mystical than what it really does. Like, prophecy sounds so mystical, like, ooh, prophecy. And so we think since it sounds mystical that it should feel mystical, like like I'm being possessed by an angel or something like that. That's what it should feel like. That's what we think. But the reality is prophecy feels way more ordinary than that. As one pastor describes the voice of God, he describes it as light as a feather on your skin. It's so light that you can ignore it, but it's also so noticeable that you can engage it if you want to. And so for most of us, I think the reason we miss the voice of God is because it's not, it's not because it's too mystical. It's just too familiar. And if I could describe what it feels like for me, because there are times where I have, I've been the recipient of prophetic, prophetic words and times where I have given prophetic words. And what it feels like to me is whenever I receive a word of prophecy is, um, it often feels like a thought in my imagination like any other thought. It's a thought that pops into my head like any other thought, only the difference is it seems to come from outside rather from, than from within. And, and, and some of you are like, yeah, like that's the problem. Like how do you know that it came from the outside rather from within? Like how do you know that was a prophetic word like God gave you to deliver to someone else? And Pete Gregg gives us a really simple formula in his book, How to Hear God. He says, if you want to know if you've received a prophetic word, he says, run it through the ABCs of prophecy. And I can put these questions on the screen for you. But he says, first off, ask this. Here's the letter A. Is it affirming? So it goes to 1 Corinthians 14. Is it affirming? Does it line up with uh, something that is encouraging and comforting and strengthening? The next question to ask this is the B is, is it biblical? Is it in line with the scripture? Guys, listen to me. There is nothing God will ever say to you that will ever override, undermine, or contradict what he has already said in the Bible. So is the word that you have biblical? And in the right context, by the way, we can pull verses out of context, right? Like the guy who's like, I'm going to divorce my wife because the Bible says all things are possible through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It's like, nope, that's out of context, right? Like, like it's in the right context. Is it biblical? And then C, is it Christ-like? Does this word sound like Jesus? Does it sound gentle? Does it sound tender? Does it sound like love and lead into life? And look at those questions. If you receive a word and you're asking those questions and the answer to those questions is yes, then here's my encouragement to you, church. Let's share it. 
Step out in faith. Because honestly, like, what's the worst that's ever going to happen if you share a word with somebody else that is affirming biblical and Christ-like? Even if it wasn't necessarily a prophetic word. Like, seriously, what is the worst that could happen if you share something like that with somebody? I got a text uh, just last night from a man in our church who just said, hey, I received a, a word. I believe it's a prophetic word. I don't think it's for me. Maybe it's for you. But it just said, he said, I just believe God wants you to know I've got this. And, and honestly, like, it did, that didn't hit me like it, you know, did whenever I was there in Cherokee Village. Like, it was one of those things like, oh, wow. But is there ever a bad time to let anybody know God's got this? Ever? No. And so I praise God that we have members in our church that share things like that. It's affirming. That's biblical. Sounds like Jesus. So man, if these things pop into your mind and God gives you a name of someone to go to, like let's be the type of people who share these words with our brothers and sisters for their good and God's glory. I so hope we can grow in this as pastors, Luke. I really do. I hope that we can grow in this as a church. I hope we can grow not just in this on a Sunday mornings, but in our missional communities. Imagine showing up to your missional community and there's just prophetic words being shared with people because we're just listening to God. Just like I'm listening to someone else, I'm also listening on God speaks to me and he wants to just, because that's just who he is, man. God doesn't get tired of blessing people. He doesn't get tired of loving people. God, I just have to believe he, he, he wants to do more of that in our church. Here's my point. God is talking. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking in many different ways. He's talking in scripture. He's talking through prophecy. And he doesn't just want to talk to you in some generic and personal way. Imagine, man, just your own relationship with your kids. Can you imagine if you only addressed your kids as y'all? I'm just talking to y'all all at one time and never like anything. Like, I mean, God loves every one of his children. And he wants to speak to you in a specific way. In a concise and clear and personal way. Again, for the purpose of leading you into deeper life with him. And so here's the question. Some of you are asking, if this is true, why don't I hear him? I mean, some of you this morning, maybe if you can be honest, you can say, I do not remember the last time that I've heard God speak to me in a way that I knew was clearly a word for me. Why? Well, I can't know exactly, but here are four possible reasons why you may not be hearing the voice of God. The first reason you may not be hearing the voice of God is because Jesus is not your shepherd. In John 10, again, Jesus says, if you're willing to admit that you're a sheep, that you are spiritually bankrupt, and you're to come to him in your neediness, he says, I will be your good shepherd. And how do you know if Jesus is your good shepherd? John 10, 4, you will hear and you will know my voice. So the first question to ask is if you have not heard the voice of God in quite some time, is Jesus my shepherd? Second question is, uh, or yeah, I guess second question is, is, do I believe this is possible? It's another reason why we don't hear the voice of God. We just don't believe that it's something that can actually happen, whether it's because of bad theology or your personality or your family of origin, where you just did not have an emotional connection with your own dad. That's a huge one we have found. A lot of times if you don't have an emotional connection with your own father, it's hard to have that with your heavenly father. And so you just don't believe, and this is so sad to me, but you just don't believe God actually really does want fellowship with you that he wants a relationship with you that requires back and forth communication. 
And so for you, I mean, you try to read the Bible, but it feels like you're reading a history book. Like you're just reading it for information. Prophecy is completely off the table. And so, yeah, you believe that when it comes to prayer, you can talk to God, but you don't really believe God wants to talk to you, and therefore you just don't hear from him. So a question maybe for some of you to ask this morning is, do I really believe this is possible? A third reason at times we don't hear from God is because we're too busy or we're too distracted. Dallas Willard once said, hurry is the great enemy of spirituality, therefore you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I think this is a big one, guys. Plain and simple, some of you don't hear from God because you're too busy to hear from God. Despite the fact that Jesus himself would take 24 hours every week to Sabbath to just enjoy God, not better his life or better his, just to just sit and enjoy God. Despite the fact that he would do that, do nothing, just enjoy God's presence and would often retreat to lonely places just to be with his father. Some of us have become convinced that we're the exception to the rule, that we can actually do this Christian thing better than Jesus himself did. That somehow we really can follow the patterns and the rhythms of this world And then when we do actually have some free time, cram it with a screen and then still believe the lie that we can do all of that and build intimacy with God. And if that is where you are this morning, as you know in your own marriage, listen to me, intimacy can never be rushed. You cannot, guys, run 90 miles per hour, do all of this stuff, try to cram Jesus into the nooks and crannies of your busy life and still have an intimate relationship with God. And so for some of you, if you're not hearing from God, just ask yourself this question, how is my schedule? Do I have time to simply be with God, to spend unhurried time in his presence? Fourth, a reason we don't hear from God, and this is a difficult word, but I think it's a needed word. This one's been convicting for me this past week, is maybe a fourth reason you don't hear from God is because you're not obeying God. Dallas Willard says this, if you find yourself in a place where you can honestly say, God is not speaking to me, then you might ask yourself, why should God speak to me? What am I doing in my life that would make speaking to me a reasonable thing for him to do. Perhaps we do not hear God's voice because we fully intend to run our own lives on our own and have never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plans. If you want to hear the voice of God, you have to give up the illusion of control. You have to have this posture of yes, even before you even hear God telling you to do something. You have to have this posture that says, God, whenever, wherever, however, I will do whatever it is you're calling me to do. And so the question for some of you, if you're not hearing the voice of God, is this. Have you obeyed the last thing he told you to do? Whether it's going and asking for forgiveness, whether it's engaging this conflict, whether it's something with your finances or your sexuality or relationships, have you obeyed the very last thing God told you to do? And if not, listen, guys, the reality is our hearts can grow hard and the voice of God can become quieter and quieter and quieter because we have no intentions to obey him, even if we could hear him. With that in mind, if you want to grow in hearing the voice of God, here are four practical steps. One, become a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple is someone who reorients all of their lives around three goals. And you've heard us say this before. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's to be with Jesus to become like Jesus and it's to do what he did. Guys, to be a disciple is not the same thing as being a Christian. We have really kind of hijacked that word Christian and I diluted it and made it something that God never meant it to be. We think in the South that 
It is very possible to be a Christian and not be a disciple. That is not the case. The Bible never says that. There are some of us, even in the room today, who we think we're going to heaven because we prayed a prayer at Vacation Bible School 15 years ago. That's not what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus, yes, it's to make a verbal confession, but it's to follow that confession with a deep, heart-level commitment. More than Jesus is just your brand or your ticket to get out of hell free, Jesus is your treasure chest of joy. He's not just an accessory that you add onto your life, but he is the Lord and he is the Savior that you build your entire life around. He becomes your ultimate pursuit. Intimacy with him becomes the goal of your life. So become a disciple of Jesus. If you want to hear from God, here's another practical step. Spend daily time in Scripture. Spend daily time in the Bible. And not like Bible roulette, that's just like, okay, i got to read something today. Oh, shoot, Numbers 30. Let's go to try something else. Right? Like, oh, Ezra. No, thank you. Let's try the New Testament. You know, it's like, and then you just like read one verse and you jet out. Like, that's, that's not what we mean by just spending daily time in the Scripture. You need to spend unhurried time in Scripture. Because it's the primary way God wants to speak to you. And I'll tell you, for me, like the way this looks, it's nothing crazy. It's just I try to go to bed around 10 p.m. so I can wake up at 6 a.m. My kids are, are homeschooled, and so they're still not up at 6 a.m. For some of you, like that might be challenging. You might have to honestly go to bed earlier and try to get up a little bit earlier. But I can get up at 6 a.m. and spend some time alone in the quiet. So I get up, I get my coffee, and then I, I start with just trying to pay attention to my body. It's very important that I pay attention to how I'm approaching God's Word. So what's going on inside of me? Am I anxious? Am I feeling shame, guilt, hurt? Is there any sins maybe even God brings to mind that moment that I've been keeping? I mean, what's going on inside of me? And then I just pray this prayer. I've been doing this for years. I just say, God, I know you're here because you're in all places. I know you're here, but help me to be here with you. The problem is not that God is never here. It's just that it's hard for me to be there with him. So I pray that. And then, and then I usually read a psalm. It doesn't take very long at all just to kind of pull my heart upwards. And then right now I'm going through the gospel of Luke. So I just pick up where I left off. And I just read a section in the Gospel of Luke. And here's what I'm doing when I'm reading the Bible. Guys, this is huge. Like This right here is worth the price of admission, I promise you. When I'm reading the Bible, this is stuff I didn't even learn in seminary. I had to learn outside of seminary. But this is the way you read the Bible. When I read the Bible, all I'm looking for, I'm not trying to understand everything. It's, it's impossible to understand everything in here. Don't, don't get bogged down with the details and the stuff you don't understand. Don't worry about that. All I'm looking for what I'm reading is, is there a word or is there an image or is there a phrase that has jumped off the page at me? Anything that sticks out. And then I will just sit there and I'll say, God, is there anything that you want to say to me in light of this word, image, or phrase? And then I'll wait for just a moment. And if I hear something, great. And if I don't, that's great. Because what I'm learning, and it's taken me a while to get this, is that our relationship with God is a lot like a marriage. You know it's getting healthy when somebody doesn't always have to be talking or trying to entertain the other person, but you can just sit in each other's presence and that's good enough. Like, that's what I'm learning. Is I don't always have to hear some fresh word from God. Like, some of the best times where I don't hear some specific word, but I just, I just sit there in his divine love. And Jesus says in John 15, this is actually the key to experiencing a fruitful life. So just slow down, read the scriptures. Third, if you want to hear from God, pay attention. Again, this is about slowing down. Maybe you have to put a reminder in your phone a few times a day to just stop and say, okay, God, 
what have you been saying to me? Is there anything that I've missed? And just stop and ask God, like, in what ways have you been speaking to me throughout the day? And then fourth, there's what I want to say. If you want to hear God, obey him. Obey him. Guys, if Jesus is your shepherd, you know what that means? That means that you are to follow him. He wants to lead you. And oftentimes, like I hate to you know, burst your bubble, but he will lead you into places that are not comfortable. He will lead you into places that's going to require sacrifice. He will lead you in ways that will at times feel like you are having to die to yourself. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And that brings us all the way back to John 10 where we started. What's Jesus after? Life. Life. Full life. Deep life. Abundant life. But how do you get there? You have to listen to his voice. And you have to respond to his voice. And you have to know that on the journey that he will take you on, you are going to take a thousand small deaths to self. That in the end will lead into one massive life that is found only in Christ. With that, I'm going to invite our scripture, or our, those who are preparing communion to go ahead and come forward to prepare communion, and those who are in the band to come forward. And as they do that, here's what I want you to think about before we, 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 we jump around too much. As you come and take communion today, here's my prayer and my hope, is that you will remember that all of this is about love. It's all about love. It's all about the reality that God really does love you so much that he wants a back and forth communication with you. He wants more intimacy with you than you have with your boyfriend or girlfriend. He wants more intimacy with you than you have with your husband or wife or your kids. He loves you so much that he has sacrificed more for you than anybody else will ever sacrifice. He gave you his own son, Jesus, so that you could go from being an enemy of his to being his beloved child. God, I pray some of you will know that love for the first time today. If you have received this love, this gift that God has given you through Christ, this relationship we now have with the back and forth communication, we invite you to take communion. The bread represents the perfect life of Jesus that he lived on our behalf, so we don't have to live a perfect life. He did that on our behalf. The juice represents his blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So you don't have to walk out of here in shame and guilt and condemnation over all the ways you failed to hear him. And so if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, come partake of communion. We also have cups in the back. You can take partake of those if you'd rather do that. If you're here and Jesus is not your shepherd, so glad that you're here. Really glad that you're here. You're welcome here as long as you want, even if you're just trying to sort things out. But if you want questions about it, if you're like, man, I... Jesus, I want to be my shepherd. I want to hear him. I want to know him. I want a relationship with him. But I don't think I have one. Come and talk to me. I'd love to connect with you. Talk with someone else that's here. They would love to help you uh, just with next steps and pray with you as you try to figure out what it means to move forward with him. With that, let's stand together. I'll pray over us. Come take communion whenever you're ready, and then we'll be singing one more song and then dismiss. Father, I do thank you so much for giving us your word. I thank you that that you want to speak to us. Uh, Help open our ears, open our hearts, redeem our imaginations. 
I pray that you'll bring healing to our wounds, the things that keep us from experiencing um, intimacy with you, the sin maybe we keep in our lives that we believe are better than you. I pray that we would all trust that there is nothing better than to sit in your presence and to hear you speak to us, to be able to talk to you and to hear you talking to us, to guide us to where it is that we need to go to experience in you the life that we are longing for. And we know Jesus ultimately that is found in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.